Jesus, thank you for this morning already. We thank you for Lane and Alko being here. Lord, we're just blessed for their presence and we're blessed that they can be with us. And we ask God right now that you would, you would be with them, that you would anoint them. Thank you for him sharing with us, Lord. And thank you for your, your just little insight of what's going on in Okinawa. And we know how to pray now. And we pray for Okinawa. We pray for salvation there. And God, we pray for your word today, Lord, that uh, if anyone's connected online, that you would save them and bring them back to you, Lord. That you, there would be recommitments today, God. That even in our own hearts, you would spark a flame of fire of love for you as we talk about this very subject. So I ask that you you bless your word, God. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, there was this couple. They were celebrating their 50th anniversary. I think that's a golden one, right? And friends and family. Family, they're all gathered around, they're gathered around, and the husband, who was not really good with words, he turned to his wife at this special moment of this party, and he said, oh, the, the love of my life, he turned to her and said, you're the love of my life, and after 50 years, I found you tried and true. Well, everyone in the room began to just clap and applause what he said, but the wife, who was a little bit hard of hearing, asked her, asked him, what did you say? And the husband spoke a little louder and said, After 50 years, I found you tried and true. Well, visibly upset, the wife shouted back, Well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> now, that was a misunderstanding, of course, but we do understand through the years, sometimes relationships do change. But what should not change through the years is our love for Jesus Christ. Today we come to the first of seven letters. It covers chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. We're going to come to the first of the seven letters to the churches that Jesus gives. And we're going to be focusing in on the church of Ephesus. And basically what I call, they're the loveless church. And that's what Jesus comes and comes to them and, and really calls out to them and confronts them with that. And so Jesus calls out to them that they would return to your first love. And that's the title of our message this morning, Return to Your First Love. We're going to be studying Revelation chapter 2 from verse 1 through 7. 1 through 7 this morning. And our outline is simple. Number one, the praise, the problem, and the promise. So those three things we're going to see inside here from verse 1 through 7 in this first letter to the churches, to the church of Ephesus. All right, so let's begin here. The praise, the praise. Take a look with me here in verse 1, chapter 2, Revelation. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. We're going to stop there. And those of you taking notes, we're actually going to take uh, verse 1 through 3 here in this section. So if, if you guys like to write that outline heading and what verses, that's what we're going to cover. But we begin here with verse 1. And with verse 1, Jesus is asking John to write here now. And this is, this is the letter that he dictated, John dictated, from Jesus himself. And we saw Jesus appeared, right, to John, right in front of him, face to face with Jesus was our last message. And, and here, so now, Jesus is giving and, 
these letters, John's writing them down, he's dictating them, and the first one we come to, Jesus says, now, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. So this, is, this letter goes to the church in Ephesus. And if you remember when it says, to the angel of the church, remember we saw last time, we interpreted it by, you can even look at verse 20 of chapter 1, you remember? The angel of the church is really as I believe, the pastor or the leader of the church. And we see that in verse 20 of chapter 1. We talked about that last time. So this is to the pastor, to the leader, but basically to the whole church and this church in Ephesus. So it goes to the church in Ephesus. This is the, this is the letter. This is where it's going to go. And then this is the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Do you remember what that meant? Again, verse 20, chapter 1 tells us, right? The seven stars, the stars are the angels of the church of of Genesis or the leaders, the pastors of that church. And Jesus holds them in his hand. And remember, that was a picture of how Jesus is in control. Jesus is the authority over all the churches. We have the head pastor, we have the leader of the church, but Jesus in his right hand, the hand of power, holds an authority. He's the one over the pastors. He's the head of the church. The church is the body. And so here's this one, Jesus who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And then it says, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And what are the lampstands? Well, again, Jesus tells us in verse 20, the seven lampstands are seven churches in chapter 1, verse 20. So he's walking in the midst of the churches. Now we covered that last time, so we understand. But notice last time what we covered about this, right? Jesus comes with that description. And we're going to find that in most of the churches, how John saw Jesus and described Jesus is how Jesus will come and describe himself to these different churches. And with this first church, he describes himself in that way. I'm holding the seven stars and I'm in the midst of the golden lampstand. So we see Jesus. He's the Lord of all the churches. He's the one in authority and he's in the midst of all the churches. Like his presence is there in the midst of all the churches. So as he comes into this first letter with this first church, he's really giving that idea. You know what? I'm coming here speaking to you as your leader. I'm coming here speaking to you. I'm right in the presence and I know what's going on here. And that's the way he is presenting himself in this first letter. Now, as we get into the letters of the churches, I want to put up a map on the screen for you guys. And and Jesus is addressing, first of all, the, the uh, church of Ephesus. And you can see that sort of on the, on the, on the coast there, Ephesus there, uh, sort of on the bottom. And as he dictates these letters, he's going to go up and around and down and end up in the church of Laodicea. So that's the order of the churches. And if you think about it, that's how these, these le- this letter, this book of Revelation is going to be passed around to those churches. Remember, they pass this around and that they're going to be reading it in each of the churches and all the churches in the area. But that kind of gives you a good visual of, of what's going on and why Jesus started with this first church of Ephesus. No, you see Pat- Patmos there too, right? That was the island John was banished there. Uh, and imprisoned there, and that's where he wrote it, went from Patmos to Ephesus there. So just to give you a little visual, and that's why there's an order to these letters to the churches. But there's one more thing I want to give you. 
We are to look at these letters basically in three ways, all the letters, and, and same as this first letter of Ephesus, uh, in, in three ways. And number one is particularly. Particularly, the letter was written to the churches in that time. So it, it was directly to a, a real church, an actual, actual church that existed at that time. So it's particularly written just to each of these churches. And then secondly, we see that we can look at these letters as historically. And what I mean is it seems, when we, when we go through this, you'll see it seems like the, the, what is written and the problems in the churches, the praises and the problems and all, that they actually reflect like different uh, uh, ways the church was through through the hi- history of the church and how they were and, and 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 what problems they had. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. So you can maybe even say it's prophetically um, uh, given here, but historically we look back and see that. And lastly, here not just particularly written to each church, but and historically we're going to see, but personally. And I really want you to key in on that because even though it's maybe it's like we're reading someone's email or something like that, you know what? This speaks to us today, to to churches today and to us personally today. And and we're the church, right? The church isn't a building, it's church is the people. And so understand this, this speaks to to any believer in any church in any age really, but for us today in 2021, it, it, it speaks to us. So you can almost think of this, that these letters to the churches is a personal letter to you. It's, it's as if Jesus sent this email to you and you opened it up and like, oh, Jesus, you're speaking to me. And I think that's the way we need to see this and not just, oh, I know this is for them back then or this is, ah, it looks like this is how the, the church age, the churches were throughout the ages. But, you know, we need to apply it personally to us as we get into this letter so think about that if jesus sent you an email right you would read it right if you saw oh the senders jesus i go oh i better pay attention to this one yeah so in all these letters we should with our heart pay attention all right so in verse two and verse three jesus goes on into this letter and he writes verse two I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary. We'll stop right there. So Jesus now brings in the praise, basically. He, he first starts out here. There's, there's going to be a problem. We're going to see that in the next sec- section. But first of all, there's praise. There's some good things going on in the church in Ephesus here. And so he really lists five ways, five things he's praising uh, the, the people here in the church. He begins, I know, remember he's in the midst of the churches, so he knows, I know your works. I know your works. I know, you know how I look at it? I know how they greatly served the Lord. They were, they were busy at doing things for God. They, there's ministries going on. There's programs going on. They're, they're at work here. You know, they're not lazy or anything. They're working. They're working hard. And so this is how they served. Jesus is going like, I know your works. I, I see you. I see how you, you are serving so hard. You serve so hard. And then secondly, he goes on in, in verse 2, your, I know your works, your toil. The word toil is the word, it means labor to the point of exhaustion. 
So these guys not just work, but they work hard. And so I look at it as they sacrifice. When they serve, they sacrifice. They, they put in their all. And then Jesus recognizes and praises, and your patient endurance. And to me, that even though things are hard and they're, they're laboring and toiling, they were steadfast in it. They, they didn't go, oh, it's too hard, forget it, oh, you know, and stop doing the work. So they served, they sacrificed, they were steadfast, even, even in hard times or when things got hard. And so Jesus saying, I, I'm praising you guys. Oh, I see your patient endurance. And then notice he says this in verse 2, And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So in the rest of verse 2, he's, Jesus is really praising them for how they separated themselves. And they, they did not bear, they did not tolerate guys who came in and saying they were apostles, and they weren't. They, they tested everyone who came, made sure, are you really an apostle? We know apostle, right? The apostles were the ones who really founded the church. They were the disciples that Jesus called to be apostles and be, be the ones who now continue the message. They were given the word of God. Uh, basically, their qualifications is, number one, that, they, that they, they've seen Jesus. They're with Jesus, I mean literally. And they were called by Jesus to do this work, to, to, uh, to found the church and, and bring the word of God, right? God used them, the apostles, to bring us this word now. So, There was a lot of false apostles. There's false teachers we talked about coming through. I'm an apostle back then. But they made sure that whoever came in and called themselves apostle, they made sure that they were. And if not, they said, no way, we're not going to tolerate you. They separated themselves from these false teachers. So these guys were pretty good. They served. They sacrificed. They were steadfast in their work. They, They separated from any false teacher. And then lastly here in verse Three, Jesus then says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So the last thing is that they're suffering. But in their suffering, they're okay. They kept going. They're enduring patiently the suffering of persecution. Remember at this time, there's so much persecution going on. I mentioned that uh, when we started this study. And so the church is, is in this middle of of. of persecution and and remember i was mentioning you know there's threat on the church the caesar was attacking the church and and wanting to wipe out christians and and distinguish the light of the church but jesus is like i know you guys you've been holding on you've been keeping going you're suffering even though you're suffering you keep going so the praise now you see in these two verses goes out to the ephesians church who basically, they were, they were, this was a standout church. They, they were hard at work. There's no tolerance attitude in them, and they never gave up. They were determined, no matter the persecution, to keep going on. Now, you have to understand something else with this church, too. This church is a great church. It really is. 
And they have a great heritage behind this church. I mean, uh, in the stories in the book of Acts, Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos, if you remember them, they were the ones in Ephesus. They, they're the ones starting to share Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. Then Paul came and established that church there in the city of Ephesus. Later on, his protege, his assistant Timothy, was a pastor of the church. And it's really believed that John, the apostle John, was pastoring that church right when he was taken and thrown in that boiling oil but didn't die and then banished to Patmos. So this church has a great heritage of great leaders here establishing, founding this church. And, 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 and so th- this was like a huge church, a, a, a church that was in, an example model for all the other churches. And you know what? It stood strong. It kept going, even in the midst of this city of Ephesus. You've got to understand, if you remember on the map, there, Ephesus was, a, a, was on right there on the, on the Aegean Sea. So it had a, a big port harbor. It was a center of trade. The trade routes also gone through there, not just through the ocean. And so that, that city was known for its business, but with its business came money. With its money came all sorts of things. It was, it was known for it, just crazy stuff. I mean, it, it had a huge stadium. Uh, it was a marketplace. They, they boasted a theater of tw- that could hold 25,000 people. And it was also the home to... Uh, the Temple of Artemis, or we probably are more familiar with Diana, the Temple of, of Diana, which is actually one of the ancient wonders of the world. And Diana was a goddess of fertility, and so it, it was all about that, right? All about sex and about all that stuff. And, and, and even the priestesses, we know, were actually like prostitutes. That was part of their worship. But in the midst of this bustling city of greed and idolatry and all that, The Ephesian church stood valiantly. It stood strong, courageously. And now Jesus is writing this letter and praising the church. It had been 40 years since Paul came and established this church. So first of all, we see Jesus commended the Ephesian church for their serving, sacrifice, steadfastness, separation, and suffering. All those things that he mentioned in verse 2 and 3. So here's Jesus bringing the praise, commending this church. This was a good, strong, awesome church going on. They kept going strong. I was thinking about how the great evangelist in the late 1800s, D.L. Moody, he came home one time after this long outreach he had, and he came home to his family, and he was just totally exhausted from all the ministry and preaching and sharing the gospel. Well, his family saw how tired he was, and he begged Moody to stay home, take a break, don't go on to the next city and all, and, and you know, kind of take a rest before you go on continuing on to your evangelism outreaches. Well, Moody to- turned to them and told them that, no, I'm going to keep serving God. And he said these words, I like this. He said, I may grow weary in the work, but not of the work. And I love that. And I think about this, this is the Ephesian church, you know. Even though all these things are going on, the persecution, they're still going on doing the work of the Lord. Even though they're in the middle of this crazy worldly city, they're still shining the light, doing everything that they can. What a great word from Jesus. 
about them. What, what a great praise, right? Jesus commended them for their serving, sacrifice, steadfast, separation, and suffering. You know what I was thinking? What if Jesus wrote you a personal letter? What would he commend you for? What would be the praise that would be on that letter? I was thinking about that. I thought, well, Lord, would you have a hard time coming up with things? Or would it be easy? Are we making it easy, yeah? For Jesus to commend us, to give us the praise. You know, I was also thinking about this separation, how these guys were made sure, yeah, that these, these false teachers and the doctrine that was going on, that, that, it, that it was true or not, right? I was thinking about how today, you know what's sad? Christians today are easily swayed by anything that's going on out there. Anything that is said and by so-called pastors or leaders or speakers. And I'll tell you, as we get closer to Jesus' return, you will see that even more and more. As things get dark and darker, we know, I talked about it, Paul prophesied how many will fall away. Why? Because they're going to they're gonna hear these things and be drawn to those things. Satan's very busy right now at leading Christians from the truth and what really matters. So watch out, you guys. You know, understand this. You know, back then, the false teachers, you, you can tell who the false teachers are. You know how? Well, first of all, the false teachers promote controversy rather than bringing people to Jesus. That's what they do. And also, the false teachers, they promote themselves. Why? To gain a following. If you really listen, they're, they're like, oh, about building themselves up and getting people to like them and not so much Jesus. And of course, the obvious thing is the false teachers promote their own view of things, not what really Scripture is saying. So I bring this up because I feel like there is a shift going on in the Christian community. I see it on Facebook. I see, I see it going on. I see it in, in the country. Watch out. I'm reading Christian news. There are pastors standing up saying things more politically than biblically. So know the word, you guys. No, don't just take any wind of doctrine. Don't just, don't just be blown around. Know what you believe. And I hope Jesus will see us, you and I, and be able to write, hey, I, I'm so glad you test yeah, those who say they are apostles. That's why even John wrote in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, before Jesus calls Ephesians to return to your first love, he gives the praise, the praise. Let's go on to number two. We have the problem, the problem now. And we're going to cover verse four and five here, but look at verse four. It says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So he gives them praise, they're doing great things, but there's this one basic problem that's going on. They've abandoned this love they had at first. They left their first love. What does that mean? They left their first love of Jesus. Jesus was not their first love. It seems that the priority in the church of doing things for the Lord, of keeping things pure, 
It was great that that was the main thing, but not loving God. The doing, the keeping, the enduring, the staying became, you know what, an idol in itself. That can happen. So the problem is Jesus was not the first love anymore. Warren Wiersbe said this, Labor is no substitute for love, neither is purity a substitute for passion. I think that's so good. That is so good. We need to have love for Jesus. We need to have that love for Jesus first. Not the doing, not the keeping. So Jesus points out here, when you're doing, quote-unquote, and you're keeping, quote-unquote, become the only things that matter, you have left your first love. That's what happened to them. Their heart was falling apart here for the Lord. It might, they might have looked good on the outside. They might have been doing all the good things, the right things, and, and probably from the beginning, their heart was there in it, along with the doing and the keeping. But now those things became what mattered, and not Jesus himself, loving Jesus himself. You know, the other day I was, I was looking at our barbecue, and, and um, we, we actually need a new one, and um, it's all bust. I mean, the, the burners are beginning to deteriorate. The, you know, underneath the burners, the bottom, there's just this big hole now. <laughs> I put a pan under there to, to catch all, all the, you know, rubbish and stuff. And, and I, was, I was thinking, oh, I've got to get a new barbecue. And then as I was looking at it, I was, and just sitting there looking at it, I thought, you know, you know how the barbecue is there, but there's no fire going on. There's no flame. It's not on. And I thought, that's our heart sometimes. When we lose love for Jesus, it's like that barbecue with no flame, no fire, just dark, burnt. And it's really getting all bust up like that. Outside looks like a barbecue and may look like it functions or, or barely like mine. But that's not what matters, right? It's the flame in the barbecue that really matters. Where are you today? What happened to you? Are you saying, well, I'm serving God. I'm in the ministry. You say, I don't tolerate evil. I'm not going to tolerate it at all. I, I don't like those hypocritical people and all that. Yet, you're so focused on that, like the Ephesians of doing and keeping. But there's no love. Where that should be our motive, right? Our motive to do these things should be because of our love. Not just, well, we're going to keep this, we're going to do this, yeah. We're, we're going to stand for the truth and not, you know, all this false stuff going on. See, think about this. These guys only had a relationship with the doing. They had a relationship with the keeping. It's like, it's, it's, it's like having a relationship with the law and not the Lord. Well, a relationship with works and not really worshiping Jesus. It could be even that they were hiding behind the doing and the keeping. Yeah? Hiding behind that. Yeah, see, I'm a Christian. I'm doing these things for the Lord and I'm keeping, you know, holding the light of truth out there, not letting anything bring that down. But sometimes we hide behind that. Yeah? And say, yeah, look at me when inside what really matters is your love for Jesus is not there. Maybe they're even hiding behind. Paul started this church. Timothy was here, right? Uh, Priscilla, Aquila, Apollo, and John. Even Apostle John was our pastor. And 
40 years this church has stood here. Right? I've been a Christian for 40 years. Where's the love though? Sometimes we stand behind that and we're like, we think we're okay. It's not the years, you guys. It's the yearning for Jesus that matters here. That's what Jesus is saying. Maybe, you know, maybe in another way, maybe even the doing and keeping is gone. Yeah? What happened? What happened to you? You used to be the first one in church. You used to be the loudest one singing. You were eager with your Bible to learn the Word. You, you would cry in the worship when the Spirit touched you. You would shed tears and you had tears of joy too. But now things are different. You, you barely make it to church. You're, you're, you just mouth the words in worship. There's, there's nothing in the heart. There's no passion in worship. You pretend to listen to the Bible study while you look on your phone. <laughs> I see everybody. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I use my phone too for the scripture. But, but what happened, right? You're just sitting there. What happened? What, what happened? You, and now you feel dry, spiritually, dead inside. Your heart is checked out. What's wrong? What's going on? You know what Jesus is saying? You have left your first love. You know what? I hope you guys or anyone connected online, I hope you haven't drifted away. Maybe you, you haven't connected online for a long time or, or maybe you're in here and you, you, you haven't been here for a while, but I'll tell you, my fear was when we had the lockdown, we just went online, you know, that there was those who barely made it to church. God was moving, but now with this lockdown, it's like almost an excuse of, ah, later, yeah. Perhaps you've drifted away from God because of this lockdown and, 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 and there's no love anymore. You're not closer to Jesus. Some, some guys are like, oh, um, you know, this lockdown, I got closer to Jesus. But maybe like others have, you actually grown farther away. Jesus is saying, return to your first love. Return. How do we do that? Well, look at verse 5. Jesus says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. And we'll stop there. We'll take the rest in our next section. But you want to get back to your first love? You want to return? You know how Jesus gives us the steps right here. Three steps. It's a three-step process to return to the first love, to come back and have Jesus, your number one, to love him first. And step one, remember, he says. Remember here in verse five. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Jesus calls out to remember. Go back to that place of departure. Go back to when you remember Jesus was everything. Not what you're doing, but how Jesus was the one, and how he had that, oh, great love for him. Go back and remember, basically, what you have lost, and stir up that love again. Do you remember when the prodigal son, he took the inheritance and ran away and into the city, and he, you know, spent all his money and partying, everything, and then all of a sudden he had no money, no, and his friends went away because he had no money? 
And he ended up getting a, a job in a pig pen, basically, feeding the pigs and stuff. And it was at that moment when he lost it all, his money, inheritance, his friends, his dreams, and his hopes. It was at that moment when he hit bottom. It says in Luke fifteen seventeen, it says, He came to himself. And he remembered what, the, what his life was like before back home with his father. That's what Jesus is saying. Remember that time when you loved me. Remember when everything was about me. Well, you, you love me. That's what mattered to you. Not the doing. Not the keeping. Remember that. Remember when you couldn't put the Bible down. Remember when you longed for God's presence. Remember your love for Jesus and how overwhelming that was. All you wanted in this world was Jesus. Jesus, I just want you, Jesus. Jesus says, remember. Go back to that where you, from where you had fallen. And then step two, repent. Simply, he says here in verse five, repent. Repent means Literally, a change of mind, a change of direction. It's doing a 180. It's, it's doing a U-turn. And so what is he saying? Jesus is saying, repent from not having Jesus your first love. Turn away from things that are stealing that love. Do something about it. We can just sit here and go, yeah, I've got to get back to my first love. But if you do nothing about it, it's nothing still. Repent is to do something about it. Someone said, remorse is being sorry. Repentance is being sorry enough to stop. That's what it's about. How do we repent? Well, think about what is stealing your heart from Jesus. Yeah? What has been distracting you from Jesus? What is coming in between you and Jesus? What are those things? That's stealing your love. And you need to turn Stop doing those things and get back to loving Jesus. It's time to stop, you guys, right now, today. It's time to make a change in your life. Remember what it was like when you just, oh, Jesus was everything. Now repent from whatever stealing that. Turn away from that and get back to loving Jesus there. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you. When he's saying this today and as he's speaking to us personally, it's not this condemnation thing. It's him calling out and crying out to you with love and say, I love you so much. Love me back. I, I want to be with you. I, wanna, I want you to spend time together here. Love me back. I love you so much. Will you love him back for loving you? Let that Get into your heart. Turn, turn from those things that are stealing that love. So step one, remember. Step two, repent. And step three is return. Return. Look at verse five. He says, and do the works you did at first. Jesus says, get back to doing what you did when you love God first. That's what he's saying. Return to that. Go back. Light the fire again in your heart. Go back to loving Jesus, you know, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember that? Remember how, how the first commandment Jesus said was to do that? With all our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our efforts. That's what we need to do. Go back to that, those times when you were doing that. When everything was about Jesus that's what we need to get back to. 
We, get, we need to get back to being people of God who love Jesus. You know, there was a time in my younger years when I was distracted with many things. I was surfing all the time. I like fixing up cars. And, and even I, I remember getting into ministry and all full on, giving myself to ministry and everything. And, and I was gone plenty of time. Kristen and I were married, and it was during that time um, that Kristen said something to me, and I realized how far I drifted from her. One day she came out, and she was telling me, you know what, I feel like we're just roommates. Oh, that hit me. And I was like, whoa. It was a wake-up call. It was a call for me to remember who I am. Remember that I'm, I'm, I'm her husband. We're married. It was a wake-up call for me to remember and repent. Turn from those other things that are stealing me away from my relationship with my wife. And to return to love her and spend time with her. That's what the Lord is saying here. It's time for you to return, to get back to loving Jesus, to commit your heart to Him again. Maybe recommit. This is the moment. This is, this is the message today, you guys. To give Him our whole heart, not just part of it. 100%, 110%, everything. Jesus is, needs to be the first, and He's calling us to return to your first love. Well, we've seen the praise, the problem, and now let's go to our last heading, the promise. The promise. And this will finish up the rest of verse 5 and down to verse 7 here. But first of all, verse 5, the second part. Jesus goes on here and says, If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So Jesus gives a warning now to this church. He, he, it, it's part of the promise. His word is word, right? He says, if you don't repent, if you don't really remember, repent, and return, then I'm going to remove your lampstand. In other words, this church will no longer be a, a great light and effective for the gospel. Let me put it this way. Jesus is saying, if love for Jesus is not first, how can you really be a light anymore Anyway, you're not a light. Think about it this way. See, the Ephesians here in this church, they were on the border of turning really their faith, if not already, into this ritual. Yeah. And so with no love, then all what they did was just empty actions and it was just a ritual. But our faith in Jesus our, our, to be a Christian is not a ritual, right? It's a relationship we have with God. We don't just come here on Sundays as a ritual. Put our time in, then we just go out, live however we like. No, we're building a relationship here. We're trying to get deeper with God. That, that's the difference with Christianity out of all the other religions. No, many relig- religions are more ritual. If you do this, if you do that, then you reach this. Yeah? And, and sometimes even as Christians, we do that. But we are not a religion. Our faith is not a religion, but a relationship with God. So that's what Jesus is saying. You guys, you got to remember, repent, return. You know why? Because this is what it's about. 
You're not a real light unless we have this relationship. And if we don't have this relationship, why are you there? That's what he's saying. Then in verse 6, he says, Yet this you, you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so Jesus is saying, look, I understand your devotion to me. Yeah. That's great, your, your devotion. Because even concerning this, he commends this in one more thing, that he, he, even concerning the, these Nicolaitans, you, you, you guys hate them like, like I hate. Now, what are these Nicolaitans? Uh, some say that they were a, a group, a sect of Christians who were pr- promoting this hierarchy in the church. In other words, like priests above the people. Priests that are in between God and the people. Some believe that. Uh, most say that these Nicolaitans, and they're going to come up later too, uh, that they were actually promoting this kind of liberal Christianity. Like, hey, it's okay. You live in the world. You're worldly. It's okay. Immorality, it's okay. It's fine. Jesus is okay with that. But the Lord is saying, hey, it's good you're devoted to me. And I see that devotion, you know. I see that. Jesus is really saying, I, I know you hate what I do. And I commend that devotion and how you don't tolerate that. But don't let hating what I hate become a substitute for love for me. Even doing that, even your devotion, hating, yeah, I'm on Jesus' side. That's all right. But don't let that even substitute love for me. Don't focus on what you hate. But focus on what you love, loving me, Jesus. That, that's what he's rolling in here, recognizing their devotion and all. And then our last verse this morning, verse 7. Then Jesus says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And I love this verse. So verse 7, first he says, He who has an ear, has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In other words, are you listening? If you have an ear to hear, if you really want to hear, yeah, will you respond to this? You who are really listening, respond then. Come, remember, repent, return. Come love me, put me first, love me first again. What the Spirit says is what Jesus says, right? And this is what the Spirit is moving upon the church, and I think even this morning. And to that one, he says, who does remember, return, and repent, he says, you know, that person, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. The one who, who, who overcomes this deadness in their heart. The one who puts Jesus first and, and not allows things to steal their love for Jesus. The one who overcomes, the one who conquers, Jesus says, you know what? You're going to eat from the tree of life. You're going you're, you're to receive eternal life, which is in the paradise of God. What is that? Heaven. It's heaven. I mean, we look at it as a reference down back to Genesis 1 and the Garden of Eden, right? And all that. There's a tree of, of good and evil, the tree of knowledge, and there's, there's that tree of life and all that too. But really, it's pointing toward that time in heaven where like Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. And so he's pointing to, hey, the one who does this, you'll overcome, overcomes this, makes me first love. You know what? You'll ultimately, you'll be the one with 
You'll be with the one you love forever in heaven, eternally with Jesus. Think about it this way. William Plummer said, without God, heaven would be no heaven. Right? Right? Why do we want to go to heaven? Because of God. Because God is there. Because Jesus is there. So Jesus ends this letter saying, basically, your love relationship with God is what matters most, for that will extend out into eternity. That's why it matters, you guys. That's why loving Jesus first is important, because that's going to go on into heaven, into eternity. That's why it's important to do that now. You know, I was thinking about, you know, movies and uh, TVs and, you know, how they characterize heaven and sometimes, you know, even like in the old movies, it was like, oh, heaven's this, you know, place where you get your angel wings and you float around in the clouds playing the harp and, oh, so boring, you know, probably right kind of thing. You know what? It's not like that. That's not what it's about, right? Let me read to you. Revelation 21, verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. We're going to be with Jesus, the one we love. That's what it's about. It's not about a relationship with the law, the do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with the Lord. And so, with Jesus as your first love, you know what happens? We look forward to his coming, right? We're excited about studying this book. Why? Because we know it's going to give us signs of his soon coming and we get to be with who? Jesus. Jesus. Are you looking forward to his coming? Maybe, maybe if you're not, maybe it's because you lost your love for Jesus. And listen, I'm talking more than a feeling. Emotions. I'm talking about our faith. I'm talking about something much deeper. Our whole heart and soul. That's what I'm talking about when I say loving Jesus. Don't let your love cool down. Because you know what happens? Life can turn into a tragedy. And you aren't a light anymore. Let me close with this. And you leave your first love, that's what happens. In 1837, 17 years after the missionaries arrived here in Hawaii, we know a revival broke out, right? A huge revival. In just a few short years, there were more Christians per capita in Hawaii than the continental, than the mainland U.S. The kingdom of Hawaii became known to the world as a Christian nation. That's how amazing it was. That's how the revival was. The largest church was in Hilo. Think about this, 7,000 members way back then in the mid-1800s. The 1853 census showed there was a total Hawaiian population of 71,019 people. 68,241 claimed membership in the church, which put about 96% of the population to be Christians. Certainly, a revival happened. But eventually, the revival cooled down. That fire, that love for Jesus, turned into this ritual. Most people went to church not because of a deep commitment, not a a deep love for Jesus, but because it was the accepted thing to do. Matter of fact, even 
uh, Queen Liliuokalani recognized this, and she wrote that there's two types of missionaries, the missionary party and the true missionaries. Eventually, we know the story, right? The, the, the original missionaries, they retired or passed on, and the children of the missionaries, they decided to renounce their missionary status, go into business, government, right? We know the story, right? But did you know they still went to church on Sunday? They still spoke of God and Jesus. They still sang hymns there in church. But obvious was their interest was not Jesus, but it was about their own interests in Hawaii now. And you know what? The local Hawaiians, they saw that hypocrisy and they stopped going to church because they didn't see that real relationship. And the rest is history. So don't lose your love for Jesus. It'll affect you. It'll affect the people around you. Don't be more into the worldly stuff, into worldly treasures, but eternal treasures. And our eternal treasure is what? Jesus. So remember, repent, and return to loving Jesus with all your heart. It's now time, you guys, to return to your first love. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And as we come to a close here, God, Lord, I call upon you, God, to just convict our hearts, God, to call upon us. And as we place ourselves before you and as we are open before you, forgive us, Lord, for not loving you like we should. Pray for anyone online who is connected or listening to this right now that they would cry out to you and that you, they would come and give their life to you, that we would all recommit ourselves to you and, and give you our heart, Lord, with love, and that we would all fully return to you as our first love. Let nothing come in between us anymore, Lord. Let us not set up any other idols, even if it's ministry, even if it's doing the work, even if it's worth standing for truth, God. But let even those things be because we love you first. So Jesus, help us today. Give us strength to do what you're asking us to do. Help us to clear away those things, God. We love you so much. We need you so much, God. Rekindle in our heart that flame, that fire, that passion. Spark our heart right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.